0: continued at scs.georgetown.edu
1: slash podcast. This is the Tribune Audio Network. From the heart of motorsports in North Carolina, the Fox 8 sports team presents NASCAR Dirty Air. Fast friends. Dangerous enemies. And now, here's your host, Kevin Connolly, along with the Fox 8 Sports Team.
0: Certain people have hated me my entire career and not even know me.
1: For Austin Dillon, joining the family racing business, especially as a high-profile driver, has produced a few bumps.
0: Uh, exactly the reason why I'm leaving RCR. Harvick's always been known for being that fiery personality and say whatever comes to his head. Because you got those kids coming up and they got no respect for uh, what they do in this sport and they've had everything fed to them with a spoon. My grandfather called me and said hey you might be in the 29 car tomorrow night because he was so mad at Harvick.
1: Dylan won't apologize for taking advantage of certain opportunities. I've definitely been
0: given a lot throughout my career but it is another thing about taking advantage of that you know using what you're given and, and um, doing good with it.
1: Dylan hopes to go from good to great. Hey everybody, welcome to this new adventure that we have on Fox 8. It is a podcast. It is called Dirty Air and we are really excited about it. I'm Kevin Conley along with producer Kevin Wren and a real special treat today, 2018 Daytona 500 winner, Austin Dillon is with us. Austin, appreciate the time today. Yeah,
0: thanks for having me on here. I, I love podcasts. I've got one of my own that we uh, started last year with Barn Life, and uh, we'll get it going here when the season starts. But man, this is cool. I'm glad you guys are doing this. All
1: right. No filter, right? All right. You can let it ride. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll let it rip. <laughs> well, Austin, uh, you know, it has been a, a, a true pleasure to be able to follow your career for, for so many years. I mean, and we go way, way back. Um, some of our earliest memories, and and that's what we're going to try to cover uh, throughout this podcast today. Some earlier early memories, and bring it all the way up to the uh, to the NASCAR uh, star that you have become uh, in the Cup Series. Uh, and, you know, with and we'll look back at the the big win in the Daytona Five Hundred as well. So we kind of want to start with one of the stories that we did, uh, Kevin Wren and I did when you were at. The dirt track. Yeah. Okay. So, interested to watch this. You had already kind of done the go kart thing. You'd already done the bandoleros, and I believe you were fifteen or sixteen years old. So this is when you got really serious Uh. about racing. Go ahead and take a look. This is the three eleven Speedway in Max. Okay.
2: I just wanted to memories. run the
0: three because that was my grandfather's number, and it has a lot of history behind it, and I understand that. And I uh, wanted to try something new, so um, we got race cars, and uh, that's what we're doing. They're a lot of fun. They got a lot of horsepower, and uh, they're they're tough to drive. So if I can drive one of these, I hope one day we can uh, maybe get in a cup car. With this uh, oh, okay. these dirt cars, and getting sliding around a lot. It can uh, give us really good uh, oh yeah I guess car control. So when we get into a cup car, you're driving real straight. And uh, if you really look at uh, all the race car drivers today, almost all of them have dirt car experience.
2: And there's that video of you, of you and Man. your granddaddy right there. What, what are your memories from the, from the, that,
0: Austin? It's, it's just so cool to look back on that dirt racing. And 311 Speedway, I mean, I remember leaving on Saturday at about lunch, about a little bit before lunch, 11 o'clock, driving up the road, stopping and getting lunch pulling into this dirt track and it was like a second home for a long time for me and this is a carolina clash race right here that i'm in i'm pretty sure you can just tell i'm all over the place in this race so <laughs> i'm definitely getting the hang of things this is one of those times where i was like man am i gonna be able to be a race car driver i think i drove up over the fence one time right here on the start finish line on a restart um but man that is just a cool interview to look back on like my dad right here Wow, he looks so young. Oh, man, this is cool.
1: What are some of the things that you learned at 311 that you maybe still apply today?
0: Car control. I think that was a big thing is car control. And that place used to get so rough. And um, the physicality of the track, I was pretty little right there. And remembering like man a 25 lap feature I would get arm pumped and I, my dad tell me all the whole time man, you got to get stronger and I think the biggest thing was relaxing I had so much horsepower under my under my belt right there I didn't know what to do with it but um, a lot of lessons learned uh, over time at 311 Speedway and I always felt being good at home you know I think uh, it's good seeing you guys you guys have been around me for mm-hmm. a long time now and uh, anytime you can start from a place like that at three eleven, our home track, and then it spreads out all over the country. Now I race all over the U.S. and bringing that back home, bringing trophies back home from starting something local and growing it—that that's what's awesome.
2: The fact that you did that with family does that mean a little more to you? Does it make it mean a little little more
0: to you? For sure, I and mean, you can see the people; those people were there for me, or my dad, Shane McDowell, Dale McDowell those guys taught me so much about racing in a short period of time because I was a late bloomer. I didn't start till I was 15 years old, and when that was all going down, um, I had to pick up it fast to be able to make it to the next level, and uh, they put me in situations that I was really uncomfortable with, but looking back, those were situations that make me comfortable now.
1: Did you find that when you went to a, a dirt track, you know, because you had the three on the side of the car, you had the RCR backing, were drivers the competition were they tougher on you yeah. did they rough you try to rough you up try to intimidate you when you went to places like 311 dirt track racers uh, all across
0: across the country are just competitors um it didn't matter if i showed up with the big trailer the number three on the side of the door they're gonna race me harder you know i at sometimes you think some people take shots at you for what it was but everybody raced each other it didn't matter it wasn't for anything we were just racing for a trophy and um that that's what was cool about it. I've I really met some good friends over time there. Um, one of the first cars ever driven there was Michael Tesh's car, from right up near the racetrack, and um, him and his dad and a family-owned operation up there raced mm-hmm. all around the country. So I owe them a lot of credit too. That was probably my first late model. It was the number three hundred. It was a crate car. I remember mm-hmm. running it up at three eleven. So it goes it goes back pretty far.
2: Mm-hmm. Awesome. When's the last time you run on the dirt?
0: Man, it's been a couple of years now, actually. I didn't run last year. Um, probably uh, my late model or a modified at Volusia. I ran some summer national races a couple years back, but it's definitely been a while. Maybe I'll get back on the dirt this year. I'd like to, I'd like to go run a truck at Eldora again. Maybe I'll plan that this year.
2: Austin was the very first winner of that, of that truck race at Eldora. You know, did that kind of legitimize you, uh, yourself in and, and a lot of people's eyes as a true racer You know, winning that race?
0: I think so, especially, you know. I mean, people really follow the sprint car world and the midget world, um, and there's a, there's a group of fans for that and there's a group of fans for the dirt late models. And then when we went in there and, and beat Kyle Larson for the first one out, back on dirt it felt really good to me because everybody thought that you know these late mall guys aren't going to be able to line up and we we lined up we won the race so that was special uh, to win the first dirt race back um for nascar and the coolest thing i did after that was take a picture with richard petty because previously he was the last guy
1: to win on dirt in nascar now obviously racing is the family business um you have been in and around it your entire life 20 years of trying 20 20- frustration, Dale Earnhardt will come to the question flag to win the Daytona 500. Finally! The next thing we want to show you is a uh, picture and a little video from the 1998 Daytona 500 won by the late, great Dale Earnhardt, and there you are in that video, right there in victory lane. What do you remember about that afternoon, and do you remember any of it?
0: yeah um so i was really young at this point um little bitty guy but i was playing in mro right there yeah hanging out with taylor high her. <laughs> that's cool always my grandma used to say cover your eyes when the champagne comes <laughs> uh, that's cool so my brother and i were probably playing the mro during the race um while the race was all going on and um when we won we just got yanked up by my grandmother and my mother and taken to victory lane and just remember what's going on and we got there and everybody's so excited and celebrating getting to do the hat dance and uh throw up that number one it was a special time for everybody at RCR and in our community. Was it overwhelming to be in that at a, as a yeah.
2: seven-year-old?
0: <laughs> I don't know, man. At seven years old, you're just happy, right? I mean, it probably would have been overwhelming to a lot of people, but at that point we were just experiencing life and, and having a good time with our friends. And, and everybody's happy at that age. You're just happy. You're, you're glad to be a part of something.
1: Austin Dillon wins the 60th running of the great American race. So at seven years old, you're in Victory Lane. Fast forward to 2018, and you're the guy in Victory Lane. You're the driver in Victory Lane celebrating the Daytona 500, obviously the biggest win of your career. It was fun to be there and and, and be a part of it. Um, We've kind of joked around on many different occasions. Um, Do you even remember... Anything from victory lane at that point.
0: I remember most things, but it's kind of like a a glaze. You know what I mean? (laughs) There's just a lot going on at that point in time. And you can't – it hasn't sunk in yet. It's just like, is this true? Is a dream come true? You're living in a dream. And um, it's cool to go back and watch these interviews and see who was a part of Victory Lane with you and so many good, happy happy moments uh, during that time. There's nothing like winning here at Daytona 500. It's just, um, it's an amazing place. Just thankful for this opportunity. My grandfather's given me everything I've got and uh, I'm glad to give him a trophy back. All you guys back at home in the 336, uh, I gotta say hello and um, we're bringing home a Daytona 500. Y'all come see it at the museum and welcome
1: That's race, cool. Obviously of his career, that was that was fun I mean yeah. that, that victory lane was fun and I, I tell you just knowing your grandfather for as many years as I have to to see the sheer joy on his face was uh was really something and I know you you certainly felt that and 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 love to look back at that for
0: sure I think the biggest thing is you just you know some of the things I said in that interview was talking about my hometown and 336 and area code there and uh it's cool to, to bring back special things like trophies like that. And that's what I do it for is is for this, this town right here. I was hanging out with Chris Lane the other night, another boy from right in this area. And um, anytime we can build stars from this area, I think it's cool. So the support that we get from you guys here locally is great. And um, these interviews, man, they just bring back
1: memories. It's cool. Chris Lane, of course, is a, a country star from Kernersville. Yeah. Went to Glenn High School, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Uh, so, yeah, no, it's uh, it's always good when the, the old 336 can represent. In your career, obviously, it hasn't been, like, completely smooth. No doubt. All sure. right? Um, and sometimes you have been criticized because of your family connection yeah. to your grandfather um, and all the success that he has had. We want to play one little piece of audio involved in another NASCAR driver, and we want to get your reaction to it and sort of how maybe that experience helped you grow. It is after a truck race at Martinsville where Kevin Harvick was involved in an incident with your brother, Ty, at the time. But you got lumped in to the conversation. But we're going to go ahead and play that, and we want to get your reaction. This is the fall of 2013. So let's just set a little
0: backstory story oh, okay. here.
1: At this point, I'm
0: uh, I'm actually at home because I'm in the Xfinity series, so I'm off this weekend, and I have a huge Halloween party planned at this point. So I have people coming over, and we're getting ready for this party. We're watching the truck race, and, and this all happens, and I can give you the rest of the story. Uh, three just dumped me. Uh, exactly the reason why I'm leaving RCR, because you got those kids coming up, and they got no respect for... Uh what they do in this sport and they've had everything fed to them with a spoon so it's a shame you got to get taken out by some rich kid like that.
1: Quite controversial at the time um, and obviously that, that ruffled a lot of feathers um, for different people but what did you learn in that situation and how did how did that help you going forward in your career?
0: Truthfully, the only thing I cared about at that point was if I was going to get to party that night because uh, my grandfather called me and said, hey, you might be in the 29 car tomorrow night because he was so mad at Harvick. And um, so I I was really worried that I was going to have to not enjoy this whole party that I had put on uh, because my brother and Harvick got into uh, a scuffle on the track, which I thought was, was pretty funny actually at the time. because. Ty did a good job, he had gotten up there and was racing hard. And Harvick's always been known for being that fiery personality and say whatever comes to his head, and sometimes not the smartest, and he can attest to that himself. Um, but he, uh, after that, Harvick and I actually met in his bus at Texas a couple of weeks later, and he apologized to me um, for, for saying those words and uh, because I had, I had no beef with him and uh, always respected him uh, coming up through there. It's just, he uh, did the battle type stuff. Uh, the good thing is I got to watch a lot of drivers make mistakes like that and say the wrong things about people, and I uh, feel like I've done a pretty good job over time uh, making the right calls uh, in heated moments. And uh, But people love seeing that stuff, and that's what's great about our sport.
1: What would you say, how would you characterize your relationship with Kevin Harvick now?
0: Uh, I feel like we have a pretty good relationship. Um you know, I've, I go to him for information on, on how his cars are driving at the racetrack and ask him about Keelan because he's growing up now, he's got a kid that's <laughs> going to go through the same things that my brother and I went through, <laughs> yeah. get called Silver Spoon and all that stuff. Um, but I kind of took it and run with it and, and use it to my advantage uh, when people say that. You know, I've, I've definitely been given a lot throughout my career, but it is another thing about taking advantage of that, you know, using what you're given and, and um, doing good with it. So... Feel like I've uh, I've done that and I'm comfortable with what we've been able to accomplish. So I think it's cool when um, you know I think that uh, everybody grows up and learns at, at some point um, about life and uh, definitely a lot of life lessons I've learned over the time in NASCAR. Do you think Kevin Harvick still feels that way? I, I know he feels I'll, differently. I'm pretty sure he he's uh, he, he has a different whole mindset about it. You know, um, but in the heat of the battle, you just you say things like I said that. You know, try and get in our people's skin, and that that's what it's all about. You ever been around him on the track in person and that comment ring in your ears at all? Um, you know, not really, because that wasn't really my battle. You know, he said yeah. that stuff, yeah. but, I mean, I confronted him personally. We confronted each other personally. He invited me into his bus, and I said what I felt like it was wrong that he said it, and um, he he said, yeah, it was. and. We went. That was kind of how the conversation went in in the bus that day. But Harvick, you know, I, I wanted to uh, be teammates with Harvick in the Cup <laughs> Series. I was moving in the Cup Series. I was looking forward to running with him the the following year and learning from him because I mean he's he's clutch, man. He does a great job out there. And I was kind of bummed at the time that he was leaving because I thought we could build something great here and then when he left he did a good job over there at Stuart Haas and still is and I've had to learn a lot over the last couple years without him and feel like I've established something here at RCR and we're we're doing a good job and and that's that's kind of where we're at now today at at RCR working hard to to bring home more trophies
1: you know now that uh, Ryan Newman has left uh, you've got Daniel Hemrick on as a teammate you know you're the you're the lead dog i mean you're you're the veteran driver now is that kind of scary to think about?
0: yeah it is it's it's um you know a lot of pressure that's always kind of been on my shoulders driving number three but like i said you just go out there and you learn to perform with it and um i do it for the people here at our shop and in this area this is why i do it uh, it's cool that our shop is here and not in morrisville and charlotte area i feel like we have a little something different to fight for and and we have a different group of fans that, that follow us, so um, I'm proud of that, and that's, that's what kind of drives me.
2: How will you kind of view you being the, the elder
0: driver role, you know, and in, in your, your role in, 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 at RCR now? Well, just, I try, and Jimmy Johnson taught me a lot also growing like through the sport, and he asked me one time um, what the track did uh, in an Xfinity race. And this is like six-time champion, or five-time <laughs> champion at the time when he asked me this, and I was like, "Wow, if he can come down to me and ask a question about what I think the track's doing on, uh, I don't feel like that that role of being the, the elder statesman is is it's it's a leadership role by example, right? It's not about telling someone what they're doing wrong. It's it's about trying to build them up. So hopefully, I just do a good job of of being a good team, teammate and um, uh, can push Daniel to be his best and he pushes me to be my best because you, you, competition is about being able to be uncomfortable and, and pushing each other to another level.
1: We are on the campus of uh, Richard Childress Racing in Welcome North Carolina and you could not come on this campus and not feel the the, the presence of the late Dale Earnhardt. You know, his fingerprints are all over uh, this place along with uh, your grandfather, Richard Childress. We want to play uh, a commercial that Fox used last year in some of their promotion. Um, and I believe it was called the book of Dale.
2: Yeah.
1: And and you talked this. about being the bad guy yeah. a little bit. Cause you know, that was the reputation that Dale Earnhardt senior had throughout his career that he, he was the intimidator. He was the man in black. He was the guy that wasn't afraid to use the fender if he had to, or the bumper, if he had to. But uh, anyway, let's go ahead and play the commercial. Uh, and and we'll get your reaction to it.
0: We can't all be good guys. Some of us have to wear black hats. It's what makes the world go around. The Intimidator, Phil Earnhardt Senior. Think I want to be on the evil side
1: too. When they asked you to do that spot, what was your, what'd you think?
0: Oh man, I think... uh... You know, it was a cool spot, cool um, idea for, for Fox to come up with. And um, I, they didn't tell, tell us what we were going to be reading. They just handed us a card, and we had to have a reaction off of it. So that was my reaction. And, and taking that role, just, it's, uh, for me, it was just, um, you know, I felt like I was comfortable in that situation. And if people had to hate me, they've hated certain people have hated me my entire career and not even know me. So if, they, if I needed to play that character, I was good with it.
2: The three goes down low. Now he goes to the high side
0: They hook bumpers.
2: Hell of a job, that's what I mean, you want it.
0: Um, the way the 500 worked out with that spot running and stuff, it, it's kind of wild, um, the comparisons and all. But, uh, you know, for me, it was just a race, you know, going out there and having the opportunity to win. And we got it done when it counted, so, but, you know, Dale Hart Sr. is someone that will never be touched in our sport. He was the intimidator. No one's ever going to come close to that guy. I just want to add to the legacy of the number three here at RCR and make people proud that uh, live in this area and that are fans of the number three.
2: Have we ever seen your evil side on the track?
0: Oh, man, I don't think so. Not yet. You know, I've, I've been pretty tame, truthfully. Um, this year I think we're going to have to be more aggressive than ever with the new style packages. Um, for me, I, I just try and take what's what's there – when it's there, and um, take those opportunities and turn them into to wins, put yourself in position enough to win, and that's what I uh, kind of want to be remembered for is just someone that never goes away, like a gnat. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're very, um, they're always going to have a shot at some point in that race.
1: Now, you talk about um, the, the, the rules, new rules package, the new aerodynamic rules package with the with the idea of it, the design of it is to get gar- cars closer together, right. More tight side by side racing. You also mentioned the fact that you're going to have to be more aggressive. Yeah. Are we going to see more on track incidents?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, your
1: pack racing
0: breeds that, and um, we're just going to be closer together more often, and um, you run into the same guys. Uh, it seems like during a season you're seeing the same people quite a bit, depending on where your car speeds at. So um, you can get frustrated quick over time, running into the same person or moving or making an aggressive move. So you'll see guys, tempers flare for sure.
2: What's the dirtiest move you've ever seen on the racetrack? Dirtiest
0: move I've ever
1: seen on the racetrack. And what's the dirtiest move you've ever made on the racetrack, oh, man?
0: <laughs> I wish I could like think of one off the top of my head. A dirty move. you done anything you've regretted? Nothing has been in, nothing. I, I I spun a couple people under caution and stuff, like getting them back. Um, but I thought it was warranted. I haven't like intentionally spun anybody out for a caution. I think that, that I couldn't make myself do it. It's not like I haven't been told to do that or anything <laughs> a long time, but uh, I just can't mentally make myself do that karma I feel like would come back and get me and I'm not good enough to do it and not spin out myself um, but dirtiest move I've ever seen on the track I don't know man I would have to think about it for a long time and look back I just I truthfully let things try yeah. to let things go what, I remember
2: one Chase Elliott uh, and your yeah, brother. That um, one was pretty, the, pretty. That was I was. was in Canada,
0: wasn't it? Yeah, that one was bad. Yep. Yeah. yeah Ty drove. Ran, Ty got driven right through. Yeah. That was probably one of the worst dirty moves I've seen, for sure. Ty Dillon with the
2: advantage. Mom Elliott right on his back but we're looking at the inside of ten. They right make contact. Elliott spins the three. The three into the tires, and Chase Elliott trying to hang on.
0: Uh, didn't Chase get get it back from somebody?
2: Yeah, um, I think the next year I think he got it back like an worse. Xfinity race or something. Yeah,
0: but uh, but not from Ty.
2: Right. No, yeah. I, I remember Ty going up to yeah. Chase's uh, window and being pretty yeah. upset for
0: Ty. Ty is always in a mess at some point. <laughs> he's always always in a battle. He uh, he puts himself in in those positions, but you know he's he's an aggressive driver. It's cool. It's it's he, his personality is totally different from mine, but on the track, we're totally different, also. So, it's um, he's aggressive. He does a good good job of putting himself in positions. But yeah, that I'll say that was probably one of the dirtiest ones I've ever seen um,
1: in my time. Yeah, obviously, you mentioned your brother Ty. Obviously, uh, there's sort of that sibling rivalry yeah. there. Who's the biggest rival you have, or maybe are there two or three rivals that you have? Out on the track right now. Is there that guy that you're just like?
0: There's guys that I love to beat. Most of the guys <laughs> that I came up with, you know. Yeah, Kyle
1: we want, Listen to me. We want. To, yeah, we want to name names. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, Larson is probably a guy that I'd love to compete with and beat because I feel like he's one of the best out there. And um, we came up at the same time and have had some good battles through Xfinity Series. And he's done a great job in the Cup Series, and um, you know, stealing different wins or run running with him is always uh, cool, you know. I feel like that's one of the guys that I love to beat. Uh, I don't like losing to any of them, but um, that one feels good. And uh, Stenhouse, I've raced him in the Xfinity Series quite a bit. Um, Most of the guys that are around your age, Ryan Blaney, um, Chase Elliott, all the guys that are around your age, Joey Logano, if you can get one over on them, it feels good.
1: The the uh, guys,
0: I'm not just saying, I mean, it feels great to beat those guys. (laughs) But the, the rivalry is just different. It Feels better to beat the guys in my age group.
1: I mean, because obviously you probably text back and forth with one another. Yeah. You call one another a little bit more. You're not probably really out of man, f-
0: not as much as you think. We don't really? talk. you know, I don't talk to much as much of those guys as um, you'd think. I play in the basketball league at Denny's um, with Blaney. We were actually teammates, and um, but not as much trash talking off the track. We just go out there and race. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them are friends and talk all the time, Blaney and Bubba and different guys. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's, I'm in a different area, so I don't hang out. Those aren't, like, my best friends. My best friends are here. I kind of bring my friends to track on that. But the you know, basketball, on the other, other side of it is uh, it's fun seeing those guys. Sometimes you're, on Mondays going to the league night, you're like, man, I wonder – because me and Ricky had a couple battles, <laughs> and then we'd have to go, like, talk to each other on Monday – because basketball is on Monday and you're like, wonder how he's going to react to certain things you did during the race. But usually, no, it's all kosher because we're probably going to, one of us is going to get each other back at some point.
1: Now, you're, I mean, you mentioned basketball. Um, You're a pretty athletic guy. try Um, to be. What's your favorite sport other than racing? Oh, man, I
0: I love watching football and um, basketball. Those two are probably the top. Um, I, I played baseball a lot, but... I don't like watching it as much um, anymore. I like to watch the Braves some, Mm. but football and basketball are my top two. All
1: right, so let's get back to NASCAR. Uh, You know, it's a dangerous sport. When you climb in that car and you're going, you know, 180, 200, you know, miles an hour, um, inches apart from the next car, next car. Sometimes things can go wrong. We're going to play a little piece of video, and I know you know what we're going to play here. Um, Just. Take us through your thought process when a big wreck is happening. The
0: velocity and the violence of the wreck was, is hard to not, you know. even now looking at it, it is just a wicked crash. And when you can wreck at that kind of speed and um, knowing that that's probably going to be one of the hardest hits that you can take,
1: that's what gives me the confidence to, to get back in the car. That was a, real wild ride. That was a summer race at yeah. Daytona um big pack of cars big pack of cars you your car got airborne up into the fence i mean yeah i mean it was it was pretty devastating to watch the video how often have you reflected on that and watching it what do you what do you think today
0: oh man well first off i'm just thankful for all the people that have worked on uh, the safety in our sport it's gone a long way um NASCAR's come such a long way over a short period of time, making it safer. So, like I said in that interview, to be able to take a hit, it actually gave me confidence moving forward in my NASCAR career. To be able to get in that race car and be confident about what I'm driving. So, um, you know, it, it it when a wreck happens, you're going through it, and it's almost like slow motion. And uh, uh, when it was going on, I'm just uh, okay. I'm talking. You're talking yourself through it. Like I'm almost through. I'm almost through. It's got to be over. It's done. And in that instance, I thought it was over. And Brad Kozlowski comes through and, like, wipes me out again. And I'm, like, man you're on your roof. Yeah, and I'm mad at that point because I'm, like, what the heck, man? Like, <laughs> there's no way you should have ran into me that long. So I was pissed off. I got out of the car. I'd watched eight seconds that week. That's why I came with the Lane Frost Wave and all that. But that was a wild ride. Um, definitely a part of my career at uh, – people will always uh, bring up from time to time.
1: Well, the, the highs and lows for you, personally, just at Daytona. I mean, that's the, that's the spectrum right there.
0: Yeah, tearing down a fence one year and coming back winning the 500 the next. So, uh, Daytona is a special place. There's so much prestige behind it and history, um, it
1: creates memories. The thing about NASCAR is one of, the, one of the questions that's being sort of thrown out there is, why are television ratings down? Why are um, the ticket sales being down? You know, declining. Um, So, so the future of NASCAR really, truly, is is being questioned. It's being debated. Um, You know, drivers like you. I mean, I know you do tons of media. Um, You you do whatever's asked um, in terms of trying to engage fans. What is it? What's missing that (laughs) that that NASCAR in general can do to sort of spark that interest again?
0: Well, if you look at any sport, um, there's transition periods in time where they go through different periods of ratings and stuff falling. But in a sport where most of your main drivers, um, your most popular driver retires, the next most popular driver retires, we had a bunch of guys retire that this sport revolved around for multiple years. You have Jeff Gordon, Dale Jr., um, Tony Stewart, um, Carl, Carl, lots of guys that retire in a short time period um, that help put our sport way up on the top. And now you got young guys coming in that people have to wrap their minds around and um, create that name. And that's what it's all about: is creating these names and and uh, going out there and doing big things, whether it's wrecking and ripping a fence <laughs> down or or winning a Daytona five hundred in front of lots of people. So um, our sport will, I feel like, will make its way back where it used to be. It's just a, it's a time period of things. If, imagine if basketball lost MJ in like one day and they didn't have anybody to replace it. And they, they, they looked for it for a long time. I mean, NBA, you, you watch Chicago Bulls, if they're on TV, that's what you watched um, when he was playing. Mm-hmm. When Appointment re- television, yeah. sure. When yeah, he, when, um, when he retired, the NBA took a long time for guys to build up. You got LeBron, and that came years later, I guess. Did he ever get to play against MJ? What do you thinking, mm, on the Wizards? I think
1: it was on the Wizards. There might yeah. have been a little crossover. Yeah, I
0: think rookie year, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, so you're transitioning into these giants. you got to have those names, and that's a part of our sport, and, and we're all trying to build that right now. we got Chase Elliott, myself, Ryan Blaney, um, Ty Dillon. we got all these young guys, Suarez, Bubba. Um, that are coming up, and they're trying to create a name for ourselves. And we got some of the older guys that are still kicking butt right now. <laughs> Hard to move them out of the way um, because they're doing such a good job. But, but a lot of that pressure goes on to them, I feel like. you got the Harvick, Logano, who won this year, um, Keselowski, some of those guys that are, that are um, winners in our sport. A lot of it goes back on them to do their job to, to raise as many fans as they can um, and, and, and myself, everybody that's a part of our sport. The positive vibe is what it has to be sent throughout to everybody to make everybody pumped up about it and become a fan of of, of what we do.
1: Well, Austin, we really appreciate the time. Uh, it's fun. I mean, I, I could sit here all afternoon yeah. and, and and talk racing and uh, and all sports with you because I know you're you're knowledgeable in a lot of things. So we, we appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, folks, we appreciate your time uh, on Fox 8's Dirty Air for producer Kevin Wren. I'm Kevin Conley. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to NASCAR Dirty Air. Follow us on MyFox8.com. You've been listening to the Tribune Audio Network.
0: Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader.